Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, and you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Self-love requires us to find the balance of gentleness and compassion for the self with accountability and ownership with the self. One without the other is not enough and can't be trusted by our systems. My friends, today I have a very, very special person on, on the story box. Her name is Vienna Varon. Now, if you don't know who she is, Vienna is a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist in the state of New York, practicing out of the New York City area. Conveniently, she uh, received a Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy from Northwestern University and trained extensively at the Family Institute um, of the D. Harris Center. There, she treated individuals, couples, and families in a clinic setting. Mm-hmm. Vienna also received uh, training at Family Focus, a community outreach program providing community home and clinic-based therapeutic services for individuals and family. So after moving back east, Viana continued her training in Manhattan-based private practice settings and worked with both individuals and couples as well as individuals who needed structured anger management therapy. Viana started her own practice, Mindful Marriage and Family Uh, therapy in an effort to expand her approach and help as many people heal and step into their transformation as much as possible. Viana is also the relationship expert for Motherly, a platform for millennial mothers who are transitioning into parenthood. She runs singles and couples retreats around the world and leads relationship workshops in new cities every couple of months. Uh, Now with COVID, I guess it's more online uh, now than actually doing the retreat, sadly. But this woman's uh, advice is something special and unique. And the reason why I wanted to share her episode with you guys now is I feel like what she talks about is so, so needful, especially in this episode, because we talk about trust, trusting not just oneself, but trusting your partner and how that really plays an important role in your own life, but also in the lives of those around you. We talk about 
her story, how she really grew up in a broken family and what that did to her mindset and some advice that she gives to you guys that if you are going through a difficult time at the moment with your family or whatever um, that is plaguing your mind at the moment. So this is, I wish I had more time with her because I did have a lot more questions. I kind of left my favorite question to the end that we could have dived into a little bit more which is based around trust and that's a, a huge topic and we she does mention in here that trust is a, a a podcast in of itself but what she does say however is very very fascinating and very very helpful so i know it's going to be a tremendous help to a lot of people out there including myself i'm putting my my own had in the ring there and saying that I needed to hear what she had to say, uh, which is one of the reasons why I asked the question too. I was curious. But um, if you do get something from it, share it around to your friends and your family. Let them know. So Jay had a relationship and and um, a, a therapist on and she spoke about trust. We need to listen to this. But also if you can leave a five-star rating and review over an Apple podcast if you do get something from it goes a long way in spreading these messages and helping me get more guests on the show as well. Uh, so thank you guys so very much for turning up. Please don't forget to, before you go, you can check out the full episode and video over on YouTube too. So anyway, guys, you know what time it is, right? It's time to lie down in the chair and listen to the amazing story of Viana Baron. Thanks so much. I know I'm like listening to that. I'm like, oh, there's some there's some updates to that to that bio. I'm like I haven't done any workshops in cities in, <laughs> in a long time. Our, our COVID style here. Like, yeah, we, we need a little tune up on that. But uh, it's so it's so nice to be here. And thanks for being in conversation with me. I'll throw in later on. We'll just put in virtual workshops or something like that just to fix it. <laughs> but um, it's absolutely awesome, honor to, awesome. to have you here. Really. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation for such a long time now. Um, before we dive into your backstory, I usually have one question I love asking all my guests at the start, which is what does success look like to you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think success for me is, is living in a sense of ease. Um, you know, I, I, I love the work that I do. It's an honor to do the work that I get to do. Um, so I'm one of the fortunate ones, um, who, who really gets to enjoy sort of the, the living of day in and day out and, and the work that I'm constantly doing. Um, and people always say, oh, it must be so hard and so stressful and, you know, listening to people all day, every day. And, you know, and most of the time, right, what people are sharing, they're not the like celebrations and the joys and all the pleasantries of life, right? People are talking about hardship and trauma and, and challenges and difficulties. Um, and I always say like, no, it's, it's actually, it's not exhausting. It's, it's restorative. Um, and there's, there's an ease, you know, there's an ease in the work. And I think for me, you know, success, if I had to whittle it down to, to one thing, I think it would be living with a sense of ease. It doesn't mean that it's never hard or it's never confronting. Um, 
And of course, there are times where I need to take breaks and, um, you know, get off grid for a little bit. But I would say that I, I tend to feel like I'm living in ease most of the time. So mm. yeah, that's how I would define it for myself. I love it. There's so much I, I need to ask you just from that response. Um, firstly, I want to start with why do you love what you do in the first place? Mm. You know, people's stories are fascinating to me. Um, so I'm a marriage and family therapist. Um, I work with individuals, couples, and families within the context of relationships. Um, the, the lens through which I see the world and, um, humans and our patterns and relationships and all things is, is through the lens of family systems. Um, understanding the systems in which we grew up in, our origin stories. Um, obviously, there's plenty of things that influence and affect us along the way outside of that, but that's the, that is the lens through which I focus most of my work. And gosh, you know, when you get to learn about the intricacies of people's stories, um, it opens so much up. You know, there's, there's so many dots that begin to, to get connected. Um, it's like their whole worlds begin to make sense. You know, when I, when I get to hear people's stories, I'm like, oh, you know, like, this is why we do what we do. This is why this is who you're choosing or this pattern or this, you know, automatic response or this involuntary thing that might be happening. Um, you know, my brain, my brain works in, in stories. Um, I might not be able to remember <laughs> other things, but I can remember people's stories and it is just the most beautiful thing. It's an honor to get to hear a person's story for them to share it, um, to open their world up to me. Um, and so I take that very seriously and with deep care and concern um, and consideration, but it just becomes this pull up the sleeves sort of deep dive into this like and so much information uh if we if we can tune into it so uh i used to when i was a kid i used to want to be a detective um and like undercover cia like that was like the dream when i was like a kid <laughs> and i'm like oh i think i still found a way to like get into this detective work just in a really different way so mm. I feel like we are kindred spirits in quite a few sense, like the story aspect. I have such a deep and huge fascination and I remember a lot of other people's stories and even my own as well, because there's always, you're right, there's always those underlining themes or there's these little patterns that you can sort of connect the dots to. And that fascinates me. It's like, I'm, even when I'm doing this and I'm speaking to people, I'm always connecting the dots. So from the very first question that I ask people, I'm always connecting the dots. Oh, this person thought of this. I know this person's story aligns with this one. But then in saying that, we're all different. <laughs> it's such an amazing, enriching experience about life that you never, you never stop learning something new about a person. It's just continually evolving. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier, which was, you know, it, it, it might get hard or I, I can only imagine that it would get hard listening to people share these deep and, and sometimes very hurtful 
things about their relationships and life. And I'm curious about what you do in those moments to sort of bring you, bring yourself back to a positive state, normality and, and happiness. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've naturally had a very good um, way of like leaving work at work and being able to shift right that, that that is something that does come naturally to me um where i think for maybe some other people they have to work really hard at that um i am not someone who who um absorbs other people um their their feelings and their and their energy and i think um many many therapists might do that depending on, again, you know, for me, it goes back to family system, right? I, I, I was not somebody who absorbed in that way. And so I think I'm, I'm built in such a way where I can, I can be in it when I'm in it. Right. And then when I move um, and shift, that's, that's something that, um, you know, tends to get left there, um, which I think is, has been really healthy for me, but, um, when, when that's not the case, um, I'm a big senses person. And so I love to shift my senses. And what that means for me is scent and sound and touch. Right. Um, so, uh, historically, right. Which is, which looks a little bit different now today than it did, you know, maybe a year ago, um, you know, with the, the idea of like going to work and coming back from work, you know, for, for us right now, work has been like, in the home, and there hasn't been a whole lot of um, shifting um, uh, physically and geographically that's needed to take place. But um, I, when I would walk in from outside, I would put a diffuser on. I would burn some Palo Santo. I would put music on to uh, to shift the energy. A lot of like piano, classical music. Um, maybe I change the fabric that's on my body. Right. And so I really tune into the senses, um, and taking care of myself in that way. Um, that shifts energy. It lets me know that my role of therapist is no longer the role that I have to be in, right. That I am in, I call it the sort of like the de-rolling, um, act, right. The practice of like, Oh, now I get to be, you know, a partner, a human being, right. A woman. Um, and I get to shift into that space and, and those, you know, touching on those senses helps sort of let my system know that it doesn't need to work in that way anymore. Um, you know, I have to mention my dog <laughs> who is like the best dog ever. And I know most dog parents say that. Um, but there is something about being surrounded by his energy that like shifts so many things. Um, you know, just such beautiful reminders of joy and like, and just pleasure and getting to spend time with him, walk him, play with him. Um, all the things just like admire how his cuteness remains 11 years later. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm really fortunate to have a partner who understands my work deeply, um, to have friends who, uh, understand my work deeply. Um, and so, although we don't sit at home <laughs> talking about work all the time, you know, uh, that's, that's not what it looks like, but it, but there is something about having a community around me who, um, who gets it. And, you know, a lot of our friends are in the, 
uh, in like a similar-ish field. Um, and so, you know, that's a beautiful way for us to, for me to move that energy as well. Um, and I love working out. I love moving my body and that's, that's a nice way to shake some of it off too. Mm. All good. Excellent points you raised there, especially like the one you said about leaving work at work and you disconnect from work and you go home and you don't bring that with you. And I find that a lot of people sort of like bring it home with them, which causes uh, tension and more stress into the actual relationship. And my, my question to you would be for those people that are actually struggling with that in the first place, what are some strategies that you often tell people, okay, hang, hang on a minute, like this is causing your relationship damage. How do you just mm. leave it at home? Because I know it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people as unlike yeah. yourself. Um, so what strategies would you recommend? People? I mean, I think that there's, um, there's space to tune into either this rumination this fixer, this need to solve part that can oftentimes present in it and to get, you know, intimate with that part, right? Like what's the story around needing to have the answer for this, needing to solve this problem, needing to fix whatever it is that's presenting, right? Like I, I'm, I'm certain that not all of your listeners are, are therapists, right? So, you know, sort of stepping out of that framework, right? Like, what is it that you're bringing home with you? And why do you feel like you need to spend time and energy, right? If I don't figure this out now, what's going to happen, right? And I think that that prompt and that question and understanding what's attached there is really important, right? Like, might I disappoint people? Might I let somebody down at work? Might you know, for, for therapists, like if I'm not fixing or solving their problem, right? Like that, that to me is not my job. I'm not actually in a role of trying to solve people's problems for them. I'm not trying to fix anything. That's not my, that isn't my, that's not the way in which I see my, my work. And so I think it's important for people who maybe have the tendency to take things with them. It's like, well, well, how come, right? What does the, how does that play into a role that you assume in your life? And, you know, again, when I talk about family systems and our origin stories, right? It's like, I would tune us back into, you know, who did I see do that? You know, did I have people in a system at some point demonstrate this? Did I observe this in a parent or an adult in my family system? How did that impact the system, right? How was it like for me as a kid watching and observing that? What did, you know, if there was a partnership there, how did that affect the other partner? Um, And to begin to explore some of the things that um, presented in that way that maybe are familiar and similar. But I think a lot of it will come back to what am I afraid of having happen if I don't do this Mm. and asking and getting really clear on, on what that answer is. I, I, yeah. I personally believe that your job title doesn't say fixer. (laughs) (laughs) No, but some people will think it is. Can't you just tell me what it is I have to do? Can't you just solve this for us? All the answers for us and then we won't have to do a thing, but it's the complete opposite of that. I think you go to therapy to sort of talk about things and the therapist is sort of there to guide you along the way. And I know I've been to therapists and all my therapists have told me they, they haven't sort of like forced me to do anything. They've guided me along and they're like, you can't fix 
like they can't fix the problems for me. Like mm-hmm. they've told me strategies on what has worked, but they said it's your choice whether or not you want to do it or mm-hmm. not. Like you're coming to me for a reason. Like um, if you don't trust me, then so be it. Like, but don't, there's no point in coming in the first place. But I think some people just need like even going home and having that relationship base and being able to speak to somebody that they love and trust. And just sometimes we just need a vent. I think that's also helpful or just talking things through. Um, I love how you mentioned before the dog because <laughs> uh, it is so true. I think they're like the best therapists in the world um, totally. because my dog, funny enough, my dog is actually two, two years old today um, and she's like incredible. Like she makes me laugh, smile. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you just feel this sense of gratitude um, and it, it's amazing. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I can talk about my dog phrases, but I want to sort of focus in on your origin story for a moment and how you got started being a family therapist. Was it something like, was, and how was your family life growing up as well? Was it something that was structured, stable, or was there sort of tension there, if you don't mind me asking that? Yeah. Um, so my I, I'm an only child and my parents got separated when I was in first grade. Um, and then they went through a nine-year divorce, which was at the time the longest in the history of the of New Jersey. Um, and it it certainly was when I look back, right? It, it certainly was the catalyst, right, into the work. Um, I didn't know it back then, um, but uh, in re- reflection, right? When I, when I finally started to get into this field, it's like, ah, yeah, of course, right? Of course, this is, this is what led me here. Um, and so, you know, I had my, my parents never remarried. Um, they, uh, you know, obviously the, the divorce itself was a really draining, um, tumultuous, hostile, uh, decade almost. Right. And, um, you know, they, they presented differently. Um, but I grew up around a lot of dysfunction. I grew up a lot around a lot of, um, gaslighting, manipulation, um, emotional flooding, paranoia. Um, yeah, like there was just a ton of it and, and they did, they presented in their own separate, unique ways. Um, but it, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot. And especially as an only child, um, I think, you know, when you don't have another sibling or you don't have anybody else in the home, even, um, right. Like what I said before, neither one of them got remarried there, there wasn't another adult around. Right. And so it was you know, my, my reality, um, was really like denied quite a bit. And it was also really hard to check, right? Like when you have a sibling, you like, can you believe mom said this? You can believe dad said, well, you know, or there's another adult who's in the picture who's saying like, you know, maybe on the side, like, I'm sorry that X, Y, and Z is happening. So I, so I didn't have any of that. Um, and it developed, a a part of in me that what became very attuned. Um, I was such a deep observer of what was happening around me. I watched, um, with intensity. Um, I, 
picked up on everything, especially if you grow up at me growing up in a system where there was a lot of gaslighting and manipulation. I, I really watched details. And I think it's why now um, as a therapist, as an adult, I'm really good at like listening to stories and not missing something and remembering every piece because, you know, if you didn't as a kid, right, it would get, it would turn back around. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Or no, that didn't happen. It's like, well, no, actually it did. Right. And I remember exactly this, 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 and this. Um, but, you know, the shadow side of that is, and I, I speak openly about this is like, you know, when your reality is denied as a kid, it's really easy to become an adult who needs to be right. Um, and so I, we we can get a good chuckle out of it at this point in in our lives and in 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 my marriage but my husband will you know it's like i will in conflict i'm a point prover i need to like like till the end you know i'll double down i'll triple down right it's like you know i i need to be right and i need to prove my point and you know that that does not happen all the time right it happens when i'm you know not aware when i'm sort of get into this activated space and i i can't see it and yes side note therapist <laughs> we still have stuff right we still get caught in these cycles right it doesn't doesn't look perfect for us at home um but you know we are able to talk about that and uh you know, so yes, going back to my family of origin, absolutely, you know, that that rupture was a huge catalyst. And I think, you know, for many of us, maybe for most of us, we don't have the education, right? Our education comes from our families when it comes to relationships and family, family dynamics, um, communication, conflict, intimacy, um, you know, everything that we, we learn, you know, at least in the beginning, right. Comes from them. And then maybe there's society and school and teachers and coaches and religion and all, you know, all these other things that then begin to contribute to it. Um, but, you know, to become curious about that space, right. It just became so fascinating to me. And I think I didn't want to recreate what I witnessed. Um, and, and so I might not have known that right off the bat when I went into grad school, but, um, you know, I think from a fear-based place, I was certainly, um, trying to safeguard romantic relationships, right? It's like, I do not ever want to go through something like that. Um, so what do I need to learn and how can I make sure that I'm set up for something that can be functional and long lasting and healthy. So. Mm. How did you safeguard yourself from looking at not wanting to go down the same road as what your parents did? You know, you, you don't, you know, I don't know that there is a safeguard in the sense that like, there's no guarantee, right? I always say that to people is like, you know, when you think that there's a guarantee, you've got something else coming for you. And I think that's important to sort of live life that way of like, no, just because you do X, Y, and Z does not mean your relationship will never face something or that you could never get a divorce. And I think I have, you know, so much more, um, you know, freedom and flexibility in that space to be like, I don't live from a fear-based place. I think, you know, using the word safeguard and, and, and still using it, but just maybe a little bit more loosely is that, you know, I, I think the way in which we do safeguard is by becoming self-aware, becoming relationally aware, learning our origin stories around things that are potentially unhealthy or dysfunctional for us, right? So many of us maintain dysfunction in order to function, mm -hmm. right? 
Good point. So many of us maintain dysfunction in order to function, right? We cling to the status quo, right? We hold into our patterns and into our loops because this is what we know, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we did. This is how we grew up. Here were the expectations. Here was the role that I was either given or the role that I assumed, right? And, and, and so without a little bit of space to reflect and get curious and understand how these parts sort of come together, um, you know, it's, it's very hard to sort of break out of those cycles. Um, but that's, you know, that's the work, right. Is to say, maybe I didn't learn how to do this in an actual healthy way before. Um, I always say not everything that the adults give us is ours to keep. Not everything that the adults give us is integrated, right? Like what they pass down to us, um, even though when we're tiny, we take it because we're like, of course, you know, you're the adult. I'm supposed to accept this as truth. Um, like, we don't know what work they did, right? That that might be unintegrated pain of theirs. It's just traveling through generation to generation, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know what their work did, was. And so our job is, in my, my belief, right, is our job is to get curious about that and tune in. And so if there were ever a way to, quote unquote, safeguard something, right, if we're going to give it our best shot if we're going to give it our best attempt it's gonna it's gonna look like that you know it's gonna look like diving into the work and becoming self and relationally aware mm. uh, I like how you mentioned um, we get very comfortable with the the negative so to speak mm -hmm. in our life and it just becomes our routine so yet we don't want to get away from it and I know I struggle mm -hmm. with that for quite some time and until you realize it for yourself and you want to actually change and you actually do the work to change, it's not, you're going to remain the same. And I think a lot of people actually do get stuck there. They're kind of in denial a little bit. They sort of create that denial for themselves. I know because I did it <laughs> for so long. Um, but I want, you mentioned intimacy before and I'm curious about, um, how how you how your viewpoints on intimacy have actually changed and how important is real intimacy for having a healthy relationship with someone and then i know it's a big question but how can uh what are some strategies that we can use right now for helping improving intimacy in our relationships i think of intimacy as the practice of going innermost with the self. Um, and then when we choose, when we'd like, right, the practice of going innermost with another. Um, I once wrote a, <laughs> I don't know, it would, I wouldn't call it a poem. It was just a couple of sentences, but it, I think it was something like, into me, I see, into you, you see, into me, I let you see, into you, you let me see. Right. And, and so did this concept, this idea of like, you know, going inwards, right. Um, understanding our inner worlds, understanding the other person's inner world um, and when it's earned, right. When there's permission to, to go there, right. Being invited in or inviting somebody else into, you know, this, yeah, this inner roadmap of our, of our lives, our history, uh, our present, our dreams and fantasies of a future. 
And yeah, I mean, I think, gosh, you know, it's like, what, what, what do you think of when you hear the word intimacy or, you know, what are some of the first things that come to mind? And, um, there's, there's many, you know, I think that there's so many pillars of intimacy, right. From sexual to intellectual, to emotional, to physical, to spiritual, to creative, to conflictual, right. Like, you know, there's, there's many of them. Um, and so I think the ways in which intimacy have and how, how intimacy has sort of evolved for me is sort of recognizing like how many different pillars there really are and how, like, especially relationally, right? Like what pillars are actually the most important to me and what pillars are actually the most important to you, right? Because we might have different um, priorities, right? When it comes to how I want to actually either connect with myself or connect with another. And I, and so I think, you know, a practice that could be interesting for those listening is to consider, you know, some of the pillars that I just mentioned and, and maybe even sort of like rank, like how important is it just me with me, right? And then how important is it for me to share this with another person? And if you're in partnership, like hearing what that priority list actually is for them, you might have a guess at what you think is at the top of their list. Um, and you may or may not be right, right? But I think that that's the point is like getting curious about how are we doing, right? If you're in a partnership, right? How are we doing? How, how how, yeah, how would you rank? Um, I know sometimes people are um, maybe not as keen on ranking, you know, like what, what those number associations mean. So sort of figure out what works best for you, but like, you know, how, how connected did we feel um, with physical intimacy this week? You know, mm. could it be more, could it be less? Like where, where is that? How connected did we feel in intellectual intimacy this week? Right. What did we talk about? What did we dive into? Right. And sort of moving through that. And if you're single, right, or unpartnered right now, um, you know, exploring that with yourself, right? Like what are the, because the intimacy is not reserved for, for other people, right? It is something that we practice with ourselves as well. So um, that's definitely an exercise that anyone can do. Mm. Is there one pillar that you mentioned that is more important than the next or are they all equally as important no there's not that's that's human specific right uh -huh. so there's no like i can't say you know that for you here's the most important pillar that you have to have to look at right it's about tuning into um the self, right? Not comparing it to the next couple over there or the next person over there. Like what is most important for you? You're the person who knows the self the best. Mm, that's a good point you raised there. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about um, trust in a relationship and how can someone actually build trust so then they can be more intimate with that person? Because I feel like if you don't have trust in a relationship, you don't have one. So how can someone, if they break it, how can someone then build it up again? Mm. Jay, you're, you're asking a full podcast episode. <laughs> you're like, let me just slide this in at the yep. end. So how do you repair trust? Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big, big topic and it's an important one, right? Because I think without safety, right? Without security, it's very hard to allow for intimacy, right? Why would we want to go inwards? Why would we want to let anybody close to us um, 
And especially if trust has had a rupture to it, right? It's like, how do I actually begin to discern whether or not I want intimacy to be something that we share in again, um, right? So there's there's sort of trust in the beginning of like, have you earned it, right? And then there's, if I've been in a relationship with someone and then trust, there was a rupture to trust, right? Like, is there a way to move to a space where I can trust you again? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, listen, this is, it's a really, really big question. Um, and I think, you know, it requires us to look at our history for sure, right? What are our storylines around trust, right? What are our origin stories around trust? What has happened in our lives has either supported trust or taken away from it? What are, are there events that have happened in our lives, right? That have made us a little bit more particular about trust, right? Like, have we had lots of people um, who have ruptured with us, right? Have we been people who have ruptured trust in relationships before, right? We have to really look at some of those things to see what each person is working with here, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're listening, right, I would encourage you to explore, like, you know, what's the story I have around trust, right? What, what script do I have around trust? Where has trust been affected and impacted in my, in my life, right? Both in my family of origin, um, maybe in past partner relationships, maybe in friendship, um, maybe in the work setting and environment. Um, has, have there been a lot of people who said, oh, you're going to get this raise, you're going to get this raise, and then bam, it goes to somebody else. You know, like you have to look at these different areas of life to see how it is we've been affected and, and impacted by either the absence of trust or, or the presence of it. Um, so I would start us there. Um, and and, and then I'd say we'd probably need another podcast <laughs> to, to do the rest of it because, you know, without, um, could, because each person's relationship to it is so unique and so different. Um, and so it's pretty hard to answer that question in a broad way of like, how does one go about rebuilding it? I think one, all of you go about it by exploring your own stories with it and exploring what fears you have around um, what it means to trust. And if you trust, but you get played, what's that look like and what's that feel like? You know, so those are some places to start for sure. Thank you. I do have to um, bring you back <laughs> a later day so we can dive further into that. So this is a question I ask everyone at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all, we'll call it magic, but they just did and they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Mm. I would love for that film to display me as a continual student through life um, the one who is constantly growing and being challenged and being wrong and, um, learning something new all of the time. And gosh, I, I mean, I, I would hope that, that somewhere in that film is also like that I've touched people's lives along the way. And I don't know, i the selfishness part, the like, you know, the validation, the affirmation of like the work that I'm doing in the world, um, you know, impacts people and affects them um, positively. Uh, and that, but that it really has a long lasting impact. Like I'd love to see how working with me or 
spending time around me um, is something that like from those conversations, right, from, from that time shared um, is an encouragement for people to tune into their own lives and their own stories, right? And that they then get to claim something for themselves, um, you know, that either shifts their trajectory in some way uh, or, yeah, it just has them come to an, an important awareness. So, oh, and that like, I don't know, that it was fun and exciting and adventurous, you know, like, you know, all, all the good stuff that there was travel, that there was really good food, <laughs> that there were really great dogs on the way to. Um, yeah, but I think just like being a forever student um, and like seeing the parts of the self that just constantly get to learn that there's, yeah. And that like, that like defensiveness got, just got dropped along the way, like teach me all the things, you know, and like not needing to pretend like we've got it all figured out and, and together and that we're right, <laughs> bringing it back around. So special. I feel like I've only touched just the surface <laughs> with you today. But thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate for coming on the podcast part one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Bye. Jay. I don't like this part because it means, sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.